I would like to see less male and female categories in pole because I don't think it makes any difference <laughs> at all, and I don't un- still don't quite understand why it happens. But yeah, I think that's the one thing I would like to sort of challenge and be like, hmm, where would I go? Mm. <laughs> Because a, f- a friend of mine told me that they had that experience where they said, oh, well, I'm non-binary. What, what, um, what category should I choose? And the organiser said, oh, just pick one. And I said, if I could just pick my gender, my life would be so much easier. Post Hazard Shandoxy. In this episode, I'm talking to non-binary pole dancer, instructor, and clothing designer Chloe Hood. You might recognize them from their amazing brand Hoodlum Fang or the rabble raising they've been doing to make pole spaces more fun and inclusive for queer, trans, and neurodiverse people. And this is such an interesting conversation about how we can all make spaces more inclusive to marginalized people, like Linkin Park fans. I called this episode Hope Punk. I don't really know what Hope Punk means, but I think if it feels like Hope Punk, it's Hope Punk. Chloe is Hope Punk. They're an absolute radical badass and they were amazing to talk to. I hope you enjoy it. If you're loving the podcast, you can support me on Patreon for like a quid a month to help me keep making it by going to patreon.com shandoxy. You can buy the pot of coffee or the free version. Give us a shout out on social media. We love that. Thank you. For now, here's Chloe. Hello, Chloe. Thank you so much for coming on the show. How has lockdown been for you? Lockdown for me was actually okay. Like, I know a lot of people sort of struggled with the whole um, not being able to see people. Um, but I was, I, I'm a child of MySpace, so I'm very much used <laughs> to talking to people through screens and through messaging so when people are like oh my god I can't see people I'm like but you can still talk to them <laughs> fine and because I work from home anyway it did not not a lot really changed for me the most that changed was I couldn't go to pole class anymore but I was like well I've got the pole at home so it, it yeah it wasn't too bad I'm a bit I say I'm a bit of an introvert I'm one of those sort of strange extroverted introverts so I'll be, I'll be, I'll be at somewhere. I'll be like, yes, I'm really into this. I'm gonna to talk to everyone, and then suddenly, social battery just goes, and suddenly, I'm just an introvert <laughs> again. So many people who were really fierce pole performers are then like, oh yeah, I'm an introvert. It's funny whenever I go out with friends, or this was pre, this was pre-COVID. Um, I don't drink as well, so. I'm always the one that's dancing, making them dance, do all this. And everyone's like, oh my God, what are you taking? Like, how much have you had to drink? I'm like, I, you, this is water. 
this is literally what I'm on I'm sober as well um and not having a hangover from alcohol is great but what I've noticed is that I kind of get a people hangover yeah 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 (laughs) I know who I spend time with that the next day I'll be like oh that was just like you know a light beer and people who are like you're seven tequila slammers you're too much Normally, normally if you have to go family and then afterwards you're sort of like, <laughs> okay, okay, we'll leave that a few weeks before we do that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think I found you because I was connected to other queer polars on Instagram and then I found your Instagram. How did you start pole dancing? Uh, I started pole dancing about seven years ago. Um, it was purely, I used to do roller derby before. But I can't skate. I'm really crap at it. I, I, my balance is shocking. Considering someone that now uses eight-inch heels on the regular, my balance, anything with wheels, I just cannot cope. And I, I wanted something to do for fitness that was fun. Um, and I thought, that would be cool. That would be interesting. Um, so I got a couple of my friends from roller derby, and we all went, and I was basically the only one that stayed on. Do you think you brought anything from roller derby into pole not necessarily to do with the sport but the way that it's laid out i was quite shocked by how things were organized when it came to pole versus roller derby because roller derby is very community focused and it always makes me laugh when people say that pole is very community focused i'm like you do not know what community focused is because in roller derby it's very much like you have teams that have different officers that deal with different things. And this is all volunteer-based. So you'll have someone that deals with merch. You'll have someone that deals with welfare, things like that. It's all very queer, inclusive. Everything is always a first. So when people say to me about pole being like this community where um, things are very sort of... People sort of muck in, I'm sort of like, no whoa people do this shit for free with roller derby and and i I always say when people get the hump about something or if there's a competition that isn't meeting all the things or if there's an organization that isn't meeting all the things i just think back to roller derby and think they do this stuff for free and can like run an event and everyone's organizing it and there's very little backlash and people are doing this for a business in poll so i always that's the thing, the difference I see. Like, there's a bit of a, bit of a culture shock. I think was the is probably the right word from going from a place where, even though at the time I I wasn't particularly, I I didn't really know a lot about gender identity. I didn't know anything about how I was. I just thought, well, I'm just a bit weird. I'm just a bit odd. Um, but everyone in Derby was always a bit odd as well. So it all sort of, all sort of mashed together. And then I went into pole and realised, oh, I am super weird, okay, (laughs) because everyone was very similar. And I I found that actually with competitions, because I'm not a particularly competitive person. And it's the same in roller derby. Obviously, they want to win. You want to whip your team to win. But at the same time, there's never any, like, malicious, like, oh, they won, boo. And anyone that does that is sort of like, what what is wrong with you? Mm. We're here... Yay, roller derby! You know, who who gives a fuck who wins, sort of thing. And I think that was a bit of a shock when I started doing competitions, as I was very much sort of like, I just want to perform, I hope everyone does well. And I'd be sat in the green room with, like, my... or wherever area I was in with the people I was competing with, and I'd just be sort of there, like, let's do great guys, sort of thing. And they'd all be like, 
who is this person? I want to beat them. I, I don't want to be friends with you. I want to beat you. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care where I, what happens. I don't care where I what position I come in. I just want to have fun. And, you know, yeah, I think that's why I tend to perform now more than do competitions mm. purely for that reason. Because I'm just not really a competitive person. I'm sort of like, someone tries to compete with me or anything. I'm like, cool, you grab them. I, I'm just here for the fun. <laughs> So I really want to ask you a question about like the creative side of putting together routine because I first saw you perform at the Northern Sex Workers Collective online show Mm. and you were doing this boylesque routine, which I lost my shit for. It was so much fun. I think because, so I was watching it with my friend who we both grew up together in Belgium and all the Mm. new metal stuff, we were like, oh, hello, all our formative teenage years. That's (laughs) that's just happening in front of us live. (laughs) (laughs) When you're putting together a performance what what's the process how do you start with an idea and turn it into a show well that one that particular show was something I've wanted to do for quite a while I've wanted to do some lip syncing for a while and I thought this was the perfect opportunity to do it because um Misty who ran the show was very much sort of like I want to see this (laughs) you have to do it so because I told her about it before and I said okay well I've got to pre-record it and she's like I don't care. You've got to do it sort of thing. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll pre-record it again. But yeah, a lot of it is I listen to music that I like. And most of it, as you say, is from my formative years of being like, ah, oh, that nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can we give people examples of some of the bands? So so it was a Treyu was the one at um, the Northern no, Naughty. <laughs> I have yeah. to say it in that voice because I'm Southern. Yeah, that was a Treyu. Um, I've done Lincoln Park yes. in the past. Limp Biscuit, I did Rolling. Um, mm. That was years ago when I did floor floor play in London. Um, wore the wore the red cap and everything. Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there must be a video of that somewhere. Um, what else? What else have I done in the past? Uh, Audio Slave. Uh, Deftones. Oh, my little heart. This is just like being on LimeWire, just like. Yeah. (laughs) Putting all of the Trojans or whatever it is (laughs) on your on your computer on the family computer until it is just weeping in the corner. (laughs) You studied fashion and textiles at university, and you were the boss of your own pole wear, active wear brand Hoodlum Fang. How did your work as a designer and pole dancing come together? Well I actually started Hoodlum Fang in roller derby. Basically I when I started doing roller derby I was a slightly different shape to how I am now. I was quite a bit bigger on the bottom and I could not find leggings for the life of me that would fit my legs and also stay up on my waist because mm. I've got quite a small waist to hip and leg ratio and um yeah, so I was sort of like, well, I've, I've made leggings in my university collection, so I might as well give it a go. And so I, I got found a place that was uh, that did um, fabric printing. I was like, oh, I can use my designs that I um, I did for my final collection. That'll be cool. Um, did that, start, like, started making them more to my size, and then it turns out that most of the team members that I, or people I skated with wanted them as well. Mm. So it sort of snowballed from there started doing that and like actually going to roller derby games and selling uh, with a stool and stuff and 
that was that was okay it was a good for a couple of years i think for two years i was doing that and i was selling across the country and selling um internationally i started selling internationally at that point and then i started doing pole and i think it was a similar situation of I want to make myself some shorts. <laughs> no one said anything about it. I just thought, oh, I'll make myself some shorts. And then again, in my studio, people were like, oh my God, I want a pair. And then it just, again, snowballed from there. But that went a bit um, more of a, more dramatic. Chloe, this is going to make me sound so uncool because what's amazing about Hoodlum Fang is the prints are so distinctive. Mm. Like the designs are amazing. And also you see it on the Instagram any body type can find stuff they want from this brand. Yeah. The thing I love the most about them is that they're machine washable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that is the thing. I am a nerd for this sort of thing. Like literally anytime I make something from new fabric, I'm like, how does this machine wash? Thank because you. <laughs> I am so lazy. Like I will do one, I'll do one wash a week and everything goes in on 40. And if it can't do 40, I don't want to know. <laughs> oh my god but thank you because i think especially in pole gear you sometimes get these things that like this has to be hand washed under the full moon with distilled water uh, from no. dragon's tears and you're like yeah, who no. has the time to hand wash their pants it's not even it's not even that it's sort of like how do you kill all of like the germs because you can wash you can you can throw your bikini in the wash so i don't see how it's any different mm. but yeah making things that are comfortable and machine washable and easy is like my life for me so I, I it's the first thing I always work out it's like how does this wash <laughs> <laughs> I caught the fringes of this on social media um because you were you've created this amazing set of resources to educate pole studio owners and instructors on how they can welcome trans and non-binary dancers into their spaces note for listeners you can find these in the highlight reel of Chloe's Instagram profile in a nutshell, for people listening and people who might be polars or not polars at all, what are practical things that any community can do to actively include trans and non-binary people in their spaces? The, this is always a bit of a tough one because it's it may it goes boils down to is what sort of people you want to include in your space because a lot of pole studios I know a couple of them would be very much women only spaces and that's fair and most trans and not especially non-binary people will go that is needed and we totally understand that but I think a lot of these studios make the mistake of going but no we, we want to include everyone it's like well do you do you really because it says you're a woman's only space mm. and I think the problem is, is we need to find a new way to say no cis men allowed without it seeming without it seeming like a negative. And um, so that's something that I think that we need to try and work on as a thing. And it's not just poll. I've had it recently. I had a, I had a friend of mine that's looking to write like a um, start up a blog. And um, she was saying that she wants to make it as inclusive to everyone. Um, but she didn't. And, and she was using all these words. I think she used the word female bodied, and I was like, "That's pro- that's problematic in itself." And she's like, "Yeah, but I just don't want I don't want men there." I'm like, "You don't want cis men to read it, right?" And she's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Again, we are at that same thing that I've said about with you before. Is we just want to say no cis men allowed, yeah. but we have no way <laughs> of saying it." And um, one quite a good thing I found, um, I say is. Um, 
people affected by misogyny. But again, it, it's just trying to find a good way to advertise it where it's not so bloody long. Because mm. <laughs> women's only space is nice and short and sweet, whereas people affected, people who are negatively affected by misogyny, welcome. Mm. By the first few words, people are like, I, I've gone, I, I, I've, I've switched off now, I'm sorry. <laughs> and this isn't me saying that all cis men are awful and that they shouldn't be there. Because there are there are loads of studios that are like we welcome everyone, and that is literally everyone. Mm. So, it, but it is it is required in some some spaces. Um, another thing people can do this is this is the thing is I don't want to be that person that that person that always says oh it's just about pronouns because I know that trans healthcare and trans inclusion is not just all about pronouns, but I feel with a lot of especially cisgender people. You have to start slow to build because if you just bombard people with everything, they're going to get more defensive and just not do anything. So I think um, be having more of an idea of how you use pronouns is a good one. So when you set up booking forms, um, including on there, rather than including people's gender, because you don't really need to know that, that doesn't matter. Um, what matters is how you address them so their Mm. pronouns is what matters it's so tricky as well because as you said um so for example to to get the effect that you would want from for example no cis men it's tricky to start from a process of here's who we want to exclude when your aim is wanting to include more people it's really really tricky yeah this is this is the thing it's finding that sort of nice positive way to sort of be like you get all the spaces mate we just need this for us at the moment uh, without it being like we hate all men ah! mm. and you're, you're over there acting like some second wave feminist like, no please, please don't do that yeah yeah please. no we don't want that <laughs> no i've had a similar set of challenges when i run comedy gigs and mm. when i started i ran an lgbt comedy night that was like it was really straightforward it was like lgbtq comedy and it was kind of by queers for queers but then yeah. a because um i kind of just wanted a more open space partly because a lot of cishet mm. people i love wanted to come to the gig but they were like are we going to be intruding and i was like no i really want you to come and yeah. also I was trying to be a bit more sensitive to people who might not be at a point on their sexuality or gender journey that they're confident enough to come to one of those gigs to feel Mm. welcome as well. Because, yeah, I think no one one pops out with all of the language and the stuff to hand. And it's such a, I guess it's just an ongoing ongoing thing to keep thinking about on how you create a space that will allow people to find like oh right oh this is more me but also cater to people who want something quite specific yeah because i i I would quite like to run like a queer lgbt um pole jam locally to where i am because i think i i know for a fact there are so many people that are in the lgbt community that don't feel welcome enough to do poll in the area that we live in because it's very white it's very middle class and especially where the poll studios are because it's so expensive to actually run a space in the city because I've looked into it I want to do it but I don't have the capital (laughs) 
in terms of your own um, journey with gender identity, has Paul mm. played any part in that? Yeah, it, it's been mostly Paul, to be quite honest with you, because it's... I, I, when I first started Paul, I was very unhappy, very much sort of like I didn't really know who I was. And I got a bit better the more I did pole and the more I sort of started going, oh, I like dancing. Oh, I didn't realise I'd like dancing and things like that. So did you connect with non-binary pole dancers? I did after um, I came out. It was more, um, I found out about being non-binary from another a friend of mine, uh, another friend of mine. Um, I found out about it from, not necessarily from pole. And it was more uh, something... I basically got into a bit of a a spat with someone at another studio uh, from the studio I was at that basically was um, discrediting me and was sort of like going, oh, I want to still like Harry Potter and all that shit. And I was like, oh, well, here we go. (laughs) Um, And then loads of her friends and a gender critical person came on and started sort of giving it all that to me. And I was like, yeah, a gender critical person then started up on me and it was getting a bit heated and I was a bit like oh okay I do not feel safe now and that's generally how most things this is generally how most of my activism works is something bad happens to me and I think I'm not happy with this and I don't want it to happen to anyone else so I'm gonna start shouting about it and that's basically how all of that started and how I made like the um the graphic that got shared and I was like oh okay Mm. then another friend of mine and one of my uh, non-binary followers messaged me and told me about an experience they had and I was like I don't want that to happen to anyone else either, so I'm going to help you to help everyone else. And, yeah, and that's kind of how it's all sort of snowballed from there. But for anyone that doesn't know what uh, gender critical is, it's basically... Um, they, they have a couple of different names, and I don't they just appear, these people. I don't even know if, they, if this person was friends with this person that I was arguing with. But um, basically, they sort of... They're very dangerous people like they will try and find trans people on the internet to try and out them to their families to their workplaces um it's so grim it's really strange people organizing on the internet to target yeah. a minority seemingly out of sheer spite yeah especially when this minority is just not doing anything which is living <laughs> like okay yeah. you really have nothing better to do with your time mm. i'm doing so much yeah i'm doing so little <laughs> yeah as a positive counter to that, I yes. love that there is such an increase in trans and non-binary visibility in the pole community at the yes. moment. Obviously, yeah. I live in my little like queer lefty bubble where those yeah. are the people I engage with. But do you think that pole helps trans and non-binary people to build community and organize more generally? I don't know if... I, I wanted to do something like that to make people a bit more organised um, within it. But I, I think it's more it helps people find themselves a bit more with Poll. And obviously you then find your community. In, in As much as Instagram has its flaws, it's really good for that sort of thing, for mm. finding other queer poll dancers. So I think there's quite a few hashtags as well. I think, I think one is non-binary polar or non-binary poll dancer is one. And queer poll dancer as well. Um yeah, I I don't necessarily think it or- helps to organise, but it sort of it brings people together a bit more and makes people a bit more understanding. I think what helps people organise and to sort of know that there's others is when someone else is when 
normally it's when allies are sort of doing the work. Mm. Um, I know um, my one of my friends, one of my brand ambassadors and my friend, uh, Raven Shimones, who teaches at um, GFF, which stands for Gay Friendly Fitness. We we live for that anyway. That that's every everything we need in life. Um, um, she says that she's noticed that she um has had a lot more non-binary people doing her classes since they've seen me doing her online classes, and that sort of chain effect of oh that queer person is there that must be a safe space, and they go there sort of thing, and yeah she has noticed that she gets quite a few. I think at one point when we did an online class, I think there. There was you. You could tell the non-binary people because we were all there with our pronouns in our Zoom names, and there were about four of us there. And we were like, "Hi!" <laughs> for for me, especially if I go do a class, I, it's sort of my escapism in a way to sort of get away. And it, it's always quite funny because if I'm doing a class, if I'm in the middle of it, I've forgotten about work. If someone starts asking me about work, I I have to sort of suddenly go from like relaxed pole mode back to work mode again and it's a really jarring effect. Like I'll be like, Oh, hold on and I'll go get a flyer and go, I make these <laughs> and that's about all I can manage. Not having to code switch immediately in that Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it's 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 really jarring because it's sort of like I sort of tend to sort of like, right, I've finished for the day at work. Go do some pole to chill out, even though what I technically, even though my job is technically pole related, it's making the clothes and packing the orders. It's a bit different from actually doing pole. Mm. See, even when I teach, I'm quite relaxed, and it's it feels completely different to when I'm working for the working for Hoodlum Fang. So it's like I have three different things going on mm. <laughs> any one time. <laughs> polar what's the part of pole that you enjoy the most at the moment it's just sort of doing new things and like finding new cool pathways into things like most of my um, videos because you always have your videos that you watch back is me doing something and go what was that, that was cool mm. i need to watch that back in a minute because i want to try that again but i may not remember how to do it oh, sort of cool. thing so yeah it's that it's that sort of new discovery of new things because it's always never it's like a never-ending cycle of like new things that you can be doing like you're never just sort of like well i've learned all the things do those accidental discoveries and those pathways do they come from mostly when you're freestyling oh yeah 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 it's, not, it's, it's normally when i'm just sort of having a little mess around and thinking well how can this connect to this because uh one of my um one of my main things that i like to teach is freestyle it's one of the things that i like to sort of give to other people as well because so many people sort of struggle with it. They think, I know this move and this move and that's it. That's all I can remember in my life. And it's sort of like, you could do more. You could do all the things and just sort of have a play with it. And yeah, that's normally how you find the most interesting and best things you end up like to like doing as well. It seems like a bit of a contradiction to teach freestyling but yeah. is it like improv is it giving people prompts or yeah ideas? It, it, it it's pro it's prompts it's also like giving uh one, one of the main things i do is called uh sort of a continuous combo mm. where you give five moves to just do continuously and rather than just sort of smash through it 
you sort of person mm. um because we we just sort of understand that not everyone is going to learn or be built the same way what are your hopes for the pole industry as a whole going forward i th- i think things are happening that i would quite like to happen which is good just being a bit more understanding and a bit more um the diversity angle of it to actually include different people and to think about different genders different races and all that where we're actually looking into our competitions and 